everyone, and welcome back to a theater near you. I am your host, Chris Randazzo, and I'm joined this evening, as always, by host of Unsolved Mysteries, Paul Giroux. Perhaps you might be able to help solve a mystery. The mystery of why this movie was so bad. <laughs> and very effective lawyer, very violently effective lawyer, Sean Doyle. I will come to your house and I will set your dog on fire. <laughs> This month's letter was C, and we somehow landed on Caddyshack 2, a movie with one of the lowest Rotten Tomato scores in existence. Was it as bad as promised? Let's find out. But first, how the heck are you, gentlemen? Easy one. <laughs> Go for it. Pass. <laughs> I'm doing great. I, uh, my house is coming along nicely. Got another room's floor done. That makes me happy. I watched a movie the other night called Metal Lords or Lords of Metal. Sean, it was Sean. Did you watch Birdemic? No. no. Oh, what? You told me you were going to watch Birdemic. I don't remember this conversation at all. You texted me about it. You were like, "We finished the podcast. A couple of days went by. Then you wrote Birdemic question mark, and I was like, "Yes, Birdemic, shock and terror." You said you were going to watch it. I, this, this sounds like a drunk text. That's huh. what this sounds like. And, and I've got to be reminded sober <laughs> what I said drunk because I have no idea what you're talking about right now. I, I do remember you texting me that you were making your way through the Halloween movies. Yes. Yes. I Did you finish? I haven't finished yet. I haven't done the three newer ones. I, I started... You know, I started with with Halloween, like you do. I did Halloween and Halloween two, and then then I was sort of doing this research where it's like a choose your own adventure thing. Um, so I think then I watched the Rob Zombie remakes next, which may have been a mistake to have watched those next. Um, and then I skipped three and I did four, five, and six, which were which were as awful as you said they would be. Um, and then last night, well, so Tuesday I watched H2O, and then last night I watched um, Resurrection, which I think I liked a lot better than some of the other ones. I um, actually really liked Resurrection. Like, uh, that was that was fun with, like, Busta Rhymes, and, and they're, they're, uh, it's like a reality TV streaming thing. Like, that was, that was a good angle. I like that, but... Um, yeah, I haven't I haven't tackled these new three yet. So, uh, yeah, boy, these they're they're a mixed bag. These things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only way to say it is yeah. They are a mixed bag. Uh, I, I've given my rant before about how he's a terrible monster and he can't even kill the the baby, and then he can't kill the child, and like he's trying to. It doesn't matter. Four, five, and six. It's just it's all downhill for him. Well, it, it also seems like his whole thing is just that he walks at a brisk pace. Like, see, seems like if you can just break into a run, you're pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's not, he's not, and, and my nephew Will will, will have words with me about this. He says, cause he's not the antithesis of murder. He's the antithesis of a stalker. And that's why it's good. And I just say he keeps failing at killing Jamie Lee Curtis, like over and over and over, just can't get the job done. And then can't get the job done against the little girl. Can't get the job done against the baby. He's trying to murder a baby for a whole movie and fails. It's unacceptable. I've done this rant on this show, so I'm not going to do the whole thing again, but it's unacceptable. You need a better kill ratio. Yeah. Uh, the three new ones. Uh, and, I'm trying to remember. 
Is the third new one out? If the third new one's out, I saw it because I, I, I would run to the movies and see it. I saw the first two for sure. Did the third one come out in the new trilogy? I can't remember, but the the at least the first two of the new trilogy are, in my opinion, very good. But I I, I mean it the way I just said it. They're okay. not. Uh, that first one's an amazing movie. It's really well done. It is a phenomenally well made movie. The it, John Carpenter, the first Halloween it, movie, in my opinion, is just it's great. That's a horror movie. It re- it really was, and I didn't. I didn't realize how many things it like coined about the genre. Like it's, I think it's kind of hailed to be like the first slasher movie. And like, it's actually so spot on that some of the times you're like, is this referencing these kind of movies or is this the beginning of it? And like, like it, it really did kind of just like make the mold of that thing. Um, and and, and it, it was amazing. Like it was, it was. Re- I, I didn't expect it to be that good. It was, it, and, it was good. Everything about it really is like even the music, which it's my understanding John Carpenter with somebody else wrote the music, uh, and it's so simple, but it, it carries so strongly through that whole first movie. And I know they they use the same thing throughout the the whole franchise, and they they do some stuff with it, and that's fine. But like, just so simple and effective. Is that that's the best way to describe that whole first movie is simple and effective. It's just really well done. So compared to that, this new trilogy, you know, nobody's going to be writing a film class about them. You know, they're not they're not amazing movies. Um, They're certainly not bad like four, five and six were. And again, I enjoy watching four, five and six because they're so bad. Um then it's you know it's a different thing. You're enjoying it because it's a bad movie. Uh, these are not bad movies. These new ones. These are good movies. Um, you can certainly pull out some stupid stuff that happens, but I mean they are horror movies. Uh, you know, there's there's plenty to nitpick about them. I, I wouldn't say they're great movies. I'd say they're very good movies. So they're you know it, it's a nice if you like the if you like the um, the franchise. I don't know why you wouldn't like uh, the new movies. They're well done. They fit the the mold, and they give you a couple uh, uh, a couple strong points where you're you're very happy. Or, you know, whoever you're voting for, whoever you're rooting for. If you're if you're a big Jamie Lee Curtis fan, she's got some really strong moments. You know that you know the turnaround. She gets the upper hand. You're like, yeah. If you're if you're more in it for uh, Michael Myers, he's got some moments where you're like, yeah. You know, so. Well, it's, at, at this point, uh, um, is Jamie Lee Curtis in all of them? I've never seen any of them. No. Is who in all of them? <clears throat> Jamie Lee Curtis. No, she's not. No, she's in the first two, which are the, the you know, the important ones. And then she's in H2O. I think she's briefly in Resurrection. And then she's the star of the new trilogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm seven movies in at this point, so I, I think I'm not turning back. I think I'm. Think I'm finishing this experiment. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought I thought the first one was amazing. I thought the second one was, you know, a, a good follow up to the first one. Um, and then, yeah, I, I should not have watched those Rob Zombie ones next. Like it seemed like part of me respected what he was trying to do with them. Like it really did seem like he was trying to um, take stuff that has now sort of like turned into mythology about these things and like explain it a little bit. Um, but at the same time, like, I just don't think I really like Rob Zombie that much. So, um, 
I, I kind of was I, I kind of watched those while I played on my phone. Um, and then, oh yeah, th- three, four, uh, no, sorry, not three. I skipped three, which seems like it has nothing to do with the rest of the story. Um, four, five, and six. Yeah, that, those were awful and bonkers. Seems like uh, Donald Pleasance sure made a. See, seems like that made he made that the end of his career. He was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with this ship till it goes down." <laughs> um, uh, and that was friggin' wild that Paul Rudd was in the in the uh, sixth one as the like little, the the kid she was babysitting all grown up. Doyle, yeah. I was let's like, not let's not forget his name. His name is Doyle. Tommy Doyle. Yeah, yeah. And that introduces Paul Rudd. That's Paul Rudd's first movie. And and the the H two O. Uh, had a young Josh Hartnett and a young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I was like, "What's going on here? Like, where do they?" And I think that one introduces. From? I think that's Josh Hartnett's first movie. I don't know if it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt's first movie, but I'm pretty sure it's Josh. Yeah, Josh I think Hartnett's it, I think it's movie. Josh Hartnett's first movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one. That one was pretty good. Uh, that that oh, I yeah. I kind of liked H two O, and I I actually really liked Resurrection. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm definitely. Definitely all in on this experiment. Um, so uh, wait, I just want to I just want to read this to you. So this is um, this is a Facebook message thread that I have with Evan. Uh, I asked him to put on a movie called New York Ninja, um, which uh, if you guys get a chance, uh, New York Ninja is a fascinating movie because um, uh, it's a bunch of footage. It was a, it was a movie that was shot in the eighties, like nineteen eighty four or something. And then the production company went out of business, and this footage sat unedited on a shelf until oh, I heard about this. Yeah, until like, it like was just like this year or something. Yeah, or? until like 2022, and then That's somebody wild. somebody found this footage. It doesn't have a soundtrack; it's just the footage. Um, so they edited it into a movie, and then they tried to lip read what the actors were saying. And then recorded an audio track to it. Uh, it's <laughs> amazing and awful all at the same time. So um, I said, I said, uh, you know, add New York Ninja if you can. I said, I also want to watch the other movies in the Halloween franchise. Or would that be a mistake? And Evan says, what have you watched so far? I said, Halloween, Halloween 2, and then Rob Zombie's Halloween and Halloween 2. He said, for the most part... It's more of the same, except for Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Personally, I like that one, but it isn't a Michael Myers movie. I said, hmm, okay then. Scratch the Halloween thing, just the ninja thing. Thanks for your helpful feedback and guidance. He says, ninja's on the way, and I'm getting all the Halloween movies, just in case. I said, aw, thanks. Well, now I guess I have to watch them. I said, thank you again. I really do appreciate your time and your efforts. He says, not a problem, sir. He says, FYI four and a half different timelines for this series. And then he sends me this like flow chart of like how to understand <laughs> the movies. And then I, I sent him back sort of a squinting, unhappy face. I said, I hope I also don't need cliff notes. He says, from what I can tell, you seem to be a smart dude. And by the end of the series, you'll come away with the same conclusion that I did. Well, those were movies. <laughs> okay. So I know you skipped three. Cause you're like, well, it's not really part of the franchise. So, I loved three. It's a. It is. It is arguably the antithesis of just like a bad '80s horror movie. Like just, 
Not not so much the tropes about like a teenager smoking pot and they get killed first or having sex or whatever. Not so much slasher eighties movie, but just weird nineteen eighties horror movie. Like it's a real weird plot. It's got the guy who starred in um Night of the Creeps. Uh I should know his name. He's got the mustache. Um I'm not going to come up with his name. It doesn't matter. He's like an 80s icon in like B-horror movies, you know, like he was the guy. Um, and it's, yeah, no, it's it's definitely worth the watch. And like it takes place in a world where Michael Myers doesn't exist except for the fact that the, the guy like, I think he plays like a cop or whatever in it, or maybe a reporter, it doesn't matter. He's like walking by a movie theater and it shows... Halloween, like a Michael Myers Halloween poster or something, or there's a commercial on TV or something. I think that's it. There's a commercial for Michael Myers on TV, which is just weird. But yeah, it's it's definitely a different universe, so it didn't make a lot of sense. Well, then it's still worth the watch. Then Halloween season of the witch will be my Tokyo Drift, where I wait till I finish the whole thing. And then a few weeks later, I get a hankering and I go back and watch that one. And then I go, why did I skip it? <laughs> so are you at all responsible for the thanks killing movies that have landed in the plex no thanks killing killing it's they're on they've been on the recently added movies in the plex for like the last day or two and i i i don't know <laughs> it's uh doesn't seem to have anybody i've ever heard of in them um a homicidal turkey axes off college kids during Thanksgiving break. <laughs> oh, I did start watching. Um... <laughs> He's got one and three. Well, now that you've explained this, I'm going to have to watch it. God, I can't think of the name of it. It's about uh, a badger, not a badger. Uh... Slaughterhouse. Yes, thank you. Did I tell you about this slaughterhouse? <laughs> I've That's... seen the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I tend to put on bad movies like sometimes while I'm going to sleep because I usually go to sleep to MST3K, but then I get to the like I watch all 10 seasons or whatever there is. And then I'm like, well, let me not start back at the beginning. I'll just put on random bad movies, um, you know, and hope the guy's voices just appear in my head over it. Um, and I started Slother House and uh, <laughs> it's bad. I mean, it's exactly what you would you would expect. So, well, listen. I, I'm not going to get further down this rabbit hole because we also have a very specific bad movie to talk about. But sure. I really do feel, Sean, because I know that Chris is not going to do this. I know if I keep giving Chris homework, he's just not going to watch these movies. But, like, I'm if, if you're going to watch bad movies, Sean, every month when we do this, I'm going to feed you another bad movie from the letter that we're doing. Like, you'll have to watch the movie and then you'll have to watch a bad movie. And, uh, Love it. And uh, and uh, I think you got to start with Birdemic. I know that you know B was last month, but you you missed the boat, and I don't have one ready for C. So you're gonna have to check out Birdemic. All right, all right. Uh, I did. I did also watch a. This is a This is an old one, but if you're if you think Slaughterhouse might be for you, you definitely want to watch Zombiever. <laughs> that one is everything the title promises. <laughs> awesome. How are you, Chris? Zombiever. Oh, wait. I didn't say... I didn't finish about the Lords of Metal. Oh, I watched yeah. Lords of Metal. It wasn't very good. It was all right. <laughs> I, was, I don't have a lot to say about it. They were, 
five minutes in, there was a scene that had me rolling laughing, you know? Like, it was funny. Comedy genius. Nailed it. Nailed it. And then the rest of the movie was just kind of like your standard, you know, just, it had its funny moments, you know, and it just kind of chugged along. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to say, I don't know, B minus. I don't know, it was a movie. That was certainly one way to follow up all that. Yeah. If you, if you put it on, you get like five minutes in, you have a really good chuckle, you can go ahead and turn it off. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm doing okay, Paul. I had a fun week. I had a... The week I took the week off last week because uh, I had a bunch of vacation time I needed to burn, and I had a handful of uh, things that I wanted to do around the house that I, that I, I managed to get all of them done. But the one that caused me the most grief was uh, replacing my kitchen faucet, which isn't a complicated process on its own, uh, especially if you know what you're doing, which I did not know what I was doing. Um, but yeah, I was still able to pull it off. The, the the fun bit was that I uh, bought the faucet. I, I, we picked out a faucet that we were going to get, and it was going to be ever so slightly more complicated because of the faucet I was replacing was one with two handles, and I was replacing it with one with one, right? So there was going to be at least one extra step in there as far as, like, changing what I had into something new. So I go to just kind of investigate the situation. Like, I'm going to go under, crawl under my sink, and I'm going to see what it looks like under there. Now, I don't go under my sink all that often. I, you know, I open up the cabinet and there's a bag of a, a box of garbage bags in there and like the, the soap for the dishwasher that, that's in there. And I don't really go behind it all that often. Now, I know that it has been moist back there uh, <laughs> since we moved in because the vegetable sprayer thing leaked. So every time we used it, a little, you know, a couple of drops of water get down there. Never that big of a deal, just something to pay attention to eventually. And obviously the vegetable sprayer and the, the faucet itself constant, it got to the point where it couldn't not drip. Like it was just a constant dripping for a couple of months. And I said, that's it. It's time to replace this. So, um, I, uh, pulled out the, uh, started to pull out the stuff from underneath the, uh, underneath the sink. And as soon as I moved the box full of garbage bags, there was just like sitting water and mold everywhere. Oh, gross which was not at, not at all what I wanted to see. It's not at all what you want to see anywhere in your house. It's just sitting water covered in black mold. Uh, so that was concerning. So I cleaned all that off. I just, you know, toweled it all out and, and took all the stuff out from under there and washed it all off. And uh, then the next step was, all right, well, let's see if I can figure out where this water's coming from. It's not coming from the vegetable sprayer because that's still leaking, but just a tiny bit. This is more than a tiny bit. Um, so I run the water for a little bit and it looks like I've got the pipe that comes out from underneath the sink, like the drain uh, that goes into the, um, the garbage disposal. And then there's the U-bend, and then it goes straight into the floor. And I'm like, all right, well, it looks like it's coming from this thing underneath the U-bend. That doesn't seem... All right, where, where is it coming from? So I go to, like, put my finger on it, and my finger goes right through the pipe. Oh, man. <laughs> it just disintegrates in my hand. <laughs> like, oh, well, that's where the leak's coming from. So, uh, so that was your drain I, pipe, right? Yeah, that was the drain pipe yeah. that just went into the floor. Um, and again, looking at it, I'm looking at it like, okay, well, this is terrible, but this one little piece of pipe doesn't look all that complicated to repair. Like, it just looks like I just get one of these and then I'm good to go. But I'm, you know, into the whole due diligence thing, especially when it comes to either plumbing or electric, because those are the two that scare me the most, because those are the ones that you can mess up the most like by far and do the most damage. 
So I call up my friend Mike, who's a plumber, and uh, I was like, so my this pipe just disintegrated, and I sent him a picture of what it was. And I was like, this doesn't seem that complicated. What do I do? And he says, you need to call a plumber. And I said, oh, okay, all right, because like, you can't walk me through this. It's like, I can walk you through replacing that pipe, but if that pipe is corroded, then there is a decent chance that the other things around it are corroded, and you don't know what... You don't know how much damage has been done. You need somebody to come in and look at that and, like, investigate who knows what they're looking at. So I called up uh, one of the local plumbing places that said they could come out and they could come out on Monday. And it was Tuesday at the time. It's like, well, I'm not going to wait a week for my kitchen sink. So I called Mr. Rooter, uh, which I had seen the, the truck driving around our neighborhood. And it just popped into my head. I was like, all right, well, that's effective advertising. Let's call these guys up. So I called them up and they had a guy come out like straight away. He was there in like 20 minutes. Now, Mike had told me that getting that pipe replaced and checking out everything was probably going to cost me around $500. Mr. Reuter did it for three. So that already made me happy. And this this, uh, was a fellow named Chris who uh, saw the comic books that I had in my living room. And we just talked nerdy stuff while he did his work the whole time, which was super fun. Uh, He's a really nice guy. And uh, he did a great job replacing the pipe. He checked everything out, said everything else was okay. I didn't have any other troubles. Um, and I told him about the, uh, the replacing the faucet. And he was like, well, I can replace the faucet too, but that's going to be like another $300. And I was like, yeah, that's a lot of dollars. He said, you could probably do this yourself. And uh, I looked at the, I showed him the box and we, he showed me all the parts. He's like, here's what you need to do. And I've been under your sink now. I know what's down there. You just got to loosen these things. And, but but what you're going to need is this thing. And he goes out to his tr- truck and he grabs this um, uh, basin wrench. He says, this is a basin wrench. This is what you're going to need because there's screws up there that are behind your sink. And there's no way you're going to be able to get those nuts loose with a wrench or, 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 or your, your bare hands. They're, they're too tight. You need this tool that is a, like a stretchy wrench that goes behind a sink basin and unloosens un- nuts. It is a basin wrench. You need a basin wrench. And then you should be good. Don't forget the basin wrench. So move on with our day. I pay him. He leaves. I immediately forget what the basin wrench was called. <laughs> <laughs> out the door. And I'm like, ah, oh, what the hell is that thing called? Ah, I can figure it out. So I go underneath there and I try doing it by hand and it goes very, very poorly. I'm like on the ground, reaching up underneath my sink, cursing uh, as like I'm cutting my fingers, trying to like turn these nuts and, trying to shove like different wrenches up there and like, if I could just get it turned a tiny bit, I could make this happen because I can't remember the name of this goddamn (laughs) wrench. And like, then it was time to go pick up the kids. And I had hoped that this was going to be like an hour situation. And now it's turned into my entire day with having a plumber come out and then me idiotically trying to do this without the basin wrench. So I go to the, go to school, I pick up the kids. We all go to um, the hardware store because nobody else was at home. Uh, and I go to the guy at the hardware store. I say, I'm trying to change a faucet and I need like a stretchy wrench that goes up behind a sink. And he's like, you need a basin wrench. He's like, yes, that's the one. <laughs> so he sells me a basin wrench for 20 bucks and sure as shit, it works like a dream. Just goes right up there, turned it in a second. And then installing the rest of the uh, faucet was easy peasy. And well, now I have a, a kitchen faucet that works and looks nice and doesn't drip. I was going to say that you're a better man than me for doing it, but I feel like you cheated because he told you about that basin wrench. <laughs> <laughs> I did it, I did cheat a little bit, but I also 
this is the other part of it that I forgot to, to mention is that before I even bought the, the, the new faucet, I looked up on YouTube how to replace a kitchen faucet. And the guy in the YouTube video said, you're going to need a basin wrench. <laughs> and it never even occurred to me to go back and look at the YouTube video again to find out the name of the basin wrench. Yeah. So, yeah, I had everything handed directly to me. And I just I looked it straight in the eye and said, no, I'm going to do this the max power way. <laughs> is, the, is the thing that the basin wrench tightens and loosens like a really friggin big, like threaded nut thing, like a big, like a really big thing? No, it's just a, a regular small nut, but because it's because of the of where it is, there's no room to get a wrench around it's it. It's behind the basin. Yeah, it's yeah. it's but between the basin and the wall, and like underneath, right underneath where the faucet is. So you need like this basin wrench that's like it's this little thingy that grabs the nut, and then it's on the end of a stick, and then you turn the stick from the bottom, and it just loosens it from there. I, I might have had a different problem. I At one point, I tried to replace a sink. Like, I was getting rid of the just standard faucet with handles and replacing it with the one where it's like, you know, like you pull the, the, the thing up to turn the water on, but then I specifically wanted the kind that had a little hose thing like not the not the vegetable sprayer hose next to it but where the faucet head like that's what of, i got yeah yeah because a i just think they're handy and then b when everybody piles their goddamn dishes in the sink i want to be able to <laughs> snake that hose over to the counter and like fill up a cup or something like that right so right i right. was like i'm doing this and i was like yeah i can figure this out like you know, like like this is going to be easy like i can do this and yeah i took the I got the other thing off, no problem. But then when I went to go put that on, I was like, how the, f I, like, I couldn't even get under there. And I was like, how <laughs> the hell do I get this big friggin' thing on? And I was like, I just ended up calling somebody and then it cost me a lot of money and that was stupid. But <laughs> you, you got the tip about the basin wrench. I didn't get that. I tip. did. I got the basin wrench tip. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the vegetable sprayer thing that that's like attached to the, the sink, I thought was the coolest thing. Because uh, I always thought they were like spring loaded or some way, but it's just a weight that goes on the uh, the hose underneath the sink. And so like whenever you pull it out, once you let go of it, it the weight pulls it back into place. I thought that was really clever. Thanks for tuning in to Plumbing Talk with Paul, Chris, and Sean. <laughs> I was just about to say the same thing, you son of a bitch. I was going to call it our plumbing podcast. Our plumbing podcast. Uh, I hate you. I uh, want you to know that. It, it might be crack near you. Might be apropos because Caddy Jack Two was from right in the crapper. Let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it was clearly made by people who know as much about making movies as we do about as plumbing. we do about plumbing. <laughs> no, I I didn't hate. Are we done with catching up with each other? I, we talking about this movie. I, I'm yeah, actually, let, let, I, I'm, yeah, let, I'm happy that you picked this movie, Sean. I'm actually like. Like, I wanted to be mad at you, but I'm actually glad that you picked this one because I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation between Caddyshack and Caddyshack 2. So, I didn't hate this movie. Uh, I, I didn't despise it either, but let's get the, let's get the, the, oh, the yeah, basics the out of the way. I also didn't hate this movie, but I want to be clear, it is not a good movie. No, no, it <laughs> good, is very much... generous. Yeah, good would be very generous. Okay would be a stretch, but all right. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Sean, Greg, and I watched this at my house on Monday uh, with Karen via nefarious means. 
Uh, I had a hot chocolate, but I, I kind of missed whatever you guys were, were drinking and are doing. Did you have anything themed for this? No, we, we, we didn't have anything themed. I, I, I've been busy. I stole up and stole a bunch of your wife's beer, <laughs> which has been pumpkin beer because she likes pumpkins and it's that time of year. Well, well she has been drinking less beer because she's been sick. So, you know, somebody's got to drink it. We have beer in the house for you. See, sneaking up my part and stealing somebody's beer is pretty on brand for Caddyshack. So I think I <laughs> that, think yeah, you themed you it right. What about you, Paul? How'd you watch it? Oh, uh, with tears in my eyes. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. I, so so listen, I I haven't se- I hadn't seen Caddyshack one in a very long time. Like I mean, and I mean like a very long time. Um. And I don't know that I'd spent a lot of mo- time with that movie to begin with. Like, uh, did you rewatch it? I did. I wa- I rewatched that on Sunday, and um, yeah, there, I mean, there were some things I did remember pretty vividly. Uh, Bill Murray and the Gopher. Um, you know, I had a pretty good memory of uh, that scene when they're in the pool, where the like, there's the candy bar that they all think is a turd. Like, sure. Um, I you know, like I remembered that pretty well, but th- I mean, there was. St- there was stuff about it where I felt like I was watching it for the first time. Um, so uh, I watched I watched the, you know, number one first. Um, and then I watched um, uh, Caddyshack 2 on Monday because I knew you guys were all watching it on Monday. Um, uh, we got, so I, I got some dessert from the supermarket. Uh, we had no food in the house and Sherry was like, do you mind if I just, uh, uh, what's it? What's the thing where they deliver the food to you? DoorDash. DoorDash. She's like, can I DoorDash some groceries? And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Like, whatever. So it's like, we got enough just for that day. Such disdain. What? Such disdain. <laughs> well, I think she was planning to go to the grocery store. And then it was just like, it was late and everybody was tired. And she's like, do you mind if I just DoorDash this? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Which also now I feel like I've gone to the grocery store like three times this week. Because then the next day I went to the deli. And then the day after that, I went to the actual grocery store. So, like, I'm kind of like, why don't we have any food? Because, like, like on Monday, food came to us. And on Tuesday, I went here. But anyway. Um, but, yeah, so she she uh, door dashed some groceries. And I was like, all right, then I want some dessert. So I got uh, a piece of red velvet cake. And it was not good. And also, the movie was not good. <laughs> so... There's so that. you were on brand. <laughs> yeah. Nope. All right. So here's what it's about. Caddyshack 2 <clears throat> was released on July 22nd, 1988 and was distributed by Warner Brothers. It was directed by Alan Arkush and co-written by Harold Ramis and PJ Torokve. All right. So, sort Arkush. of. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Right. There's more to it than that, I think. There is. Yeah. Uh, Arkush, who is from Fort Lee, New Jersey. Also, yeah, the director was from Fort Lee. Uh, His other works include mostly television shows, including episodes of Ally McBeal, Heroes, and a series of unfortunate events. As for the writers, Harold Ramis is well known for stuff like Ghostbusters, Groundhog Day, and of course the original Caddyshack, while Torak Vey worked on SCTV, Real Genius, and Hostage for a Day. The movie stars Jackie Mason, Robert Stack, Diane Cannon, Dina Morrell, Jonathan Silverman, Brian McNamara... Marsha Warfield, Paul Bartell, Randy Quaid, with special appearances by Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. 
tells the story of a weird old man who tries to overcome real estate problems as well as his daughter's infatuation with rich people by buying a golf course and wearing very loud suits. Now, there's a, another list of writers I saw listed on IMDb. I don't know the story behind it, but I'm assuming Paul does. Uh, yeah, sure. Is it uh, it's time for that? We want to do that? Um, yeah, yeah, give him some background. Yeah, I'm I'm all done with, with my spiel. I'm ready to talk about the movie, but let's learn more about its history. Yeah, well, um... Yeah, I, I I did a deep dive on this. I was so curious. It was it was so interesting watching the first one and then the second one the next day. Um, you know, because I think both movies actually have a lot of problems. Um, but uh, the first one, where sometimes it lacks focus, it's just hilarious. Like it is just a funny movie. And then I, you know, I think some of that sort of scrappiness is what sort of adds to the charm of it. I think that's one of the things that's given it that long lasting appeal. Whereas I thought before, before you go on, because I I don't know the story, but I had a feeling about the story and I'm just going to throw it out there in case this is part of the story before you tell us the story. Mm -hmm. When I was watching it this time. I started to think what I knew about the first one. And again, the first one, in my opinion, is the funniest movie all time ever. My number one comedy. I love the first one. You're right. It has focus issues, but I don't care because it makes me laugh for an hour and a half hard every time I watch it. So in my mind, that's it. That's the funniest a movie can be, right? Unless it was two hours, then that would be better. So the, uh, I almost got the feeling watching it this time i was like i know the story behind the first one is they had originally planned this movie about caddies that's why it's called caddyshack mm-hmm. and harold ramus and whoever else was involved in writing it wrote this movie uh and then it kind of got away from itself because they they kind of had some of these roles but they didn't know they were going to get rodney dangerfield and then they kind of tried to expand his role and they tried to expand chevy chase's role and then bill murray just showed up and improvised all his parts which ends up being like a tenth of the movie or a quarter of the movie or whatever it is and honestly if you watch caddyshack the first one the story of the caddies is 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 it's not even the b story anymore it's like the c or d story it's way down the list so then watching caddyshack 2 i started to think i wonder if Harold Ramis was like, remember that movie I wrote that we didn't really make? Like, I had other scenes and bits and jokes, like, ready to go that we chopped out because Bill Murray and Chevy Chase and Rodney Dangerfield came in and took over the movie. What if we just pick up all those pieces and, and, and actually make the movie we planned to make the first time? So now you can go. I oh, just that's the feeling I got, I, and I wasn't sure if that's the truth. I wish, I wish that was the story. <laughs> no, that is one hundred percent not the story. Um, uh, yeah, it was uh, Caddyshack was like Harold Ramis's first movie, you know, first um, writing and directing. Uh, like Caddyshack one was also the culmination of a lot of voices that like changed comedy in the seventies. Uh, Harold Ramis was a, a, a co-writer and, and a director. Um, uh, Brian Doyle Murray, who also plays the, um, you know, Bill Murray's brother, who also plays, right, the, plays the head caddy, yeah, you know, caddy manager, whatever. Right. That guy and is. he was also yeah. a writer on Saturday Night Live. And then uh, Doug Kenny, um, which if you don't know anything about Doug Kenny, 
there's a Netflix movie called A Stupid and Futile Gesture. It's, it's about his life. Um, I think that... I want to say Bill Hader, but that's not right. Um, w- uh, Is that Will- the one where he like, kills himself, but then like he doesn't because they're just doing like a mockumentary? No, well, he the, he's kind of a tragic figure. He died... Not long after Caddyshack, and like maybe because of Caddyshack, um, so like he was, uh, he, he, he was a writer when he was at Harvard. He was a writer for the Harvard Lampoon, and then he turned that into the National Lampoon, and you know, and created this sort of Mad Magazine meets the New Yorker kind of thing. And then, of course, you know, it, it, it became a, a, a movie, you know, then they started movies like Animal House and stuff. So he so Doug Kenny, his two writing credits are Animal House and Caddyshack, which you, like you can kind of see, right? Like the the story of the caddies is like sort of the same kind of thing as Animal House. The you know, I think they call it like slobs versus snobs, the the way that the caddies are sort of trying to get even with um uh what's his name judge judge smales you know it's kind of the same way as like animal house with the the dean right um if you can still find the caddy story sure yeah that that's it right like what you know like the initial story they were trying to write was about the caddies um and bill murray and brian doyle murray and harold ramus were all caddies growing up so like this was this was sort of part of their vision um uh sorry sorry i'm getting away from this thing about doug kenny um yeah doug kenny like after caddyshack came out he uh like it didn't it didn't it wasn't received well initially like it it has found longevity as a as a cult classic and definitely found its place on you know vhs and dvd and everything when it when it first came out the critics panned it um and doug kenny was really unhappy and like i guess he and chevy chase went to uh 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 uh, hawaii to try to like get away from all this press and like get clean and stuff because they were all on coke. Everybody was doing coke. Like, <laughs> in fact, from what I understand, it's a miracle that they ever made a movie. Because it sounded like it was all shot on a golf course in Florida. And they would just show up and do coke all day. And the fact that anybody shot a movie is like kind of a, a Hail Mary. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I guess Chevy Chase came back. And then Doug Kenny stayed a little while longer. And then... Everyone was like, where's Doug? And nobody had seen him. And then they found him at, a, at the bottom of a cliff. Um, so nobody really knows if he fell or if he was high and he fell or if like he was because he was depressed about Caddyshack. Um, it's sort of a, a tragic mystery. But, you know, the, the guy the guy wrote two movies and they were Animal House and Caddyshack. So um, unfortunately, he went out on top. But. Um, yeah, which again I, I don't know how well animal house did initially it might be in the same boat but the uh and it's not one of my favorites it's 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 a fine movie it's not one of my favorites but i i think it's pretty well established itself as like a quintessential comedy so oh, yeah. he wrote two comedies that are both i mean you know they are in critics, the pantheon yeah that's you know those are the heavy hitters there's there's 
there's not a name you can put forward that has more gravitas than those. Yeah, I mean, if if only he could have seen what what you know how how things mm. went for Caddyshack later. I, it's kind of sad, but um, yeah, that was I did see that movie you're talking about. Uh, Richard Mull is that his name? Richard Mull. The guy with the mustache, and he was in Clue and a bunch of other stuff. No, I, th- I think Will Forte plays um, Doug Kenny. Yeah, right. And then, like, they jump ahead. And, and, Richard... and the other thing that's crazy is uh, uh, Joel McHale plays Chevy Chase, which must have <laughs> been wild since they had this. this After community. Yeah, this relationship oh. from community. But anyway. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can tell you Caddyshack 2. Had a budget of twenty million dollars and only earned eleven point eight million at the box office. Oh yeah. All right. So sorry. Let me let me let me get to this whole thing. I'm getting wrapped up in Caddyshack. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, it, it was the culmination of these three voices, you know, from National Lampoon, from SNL, um, and from SCTV. So like all these things that sort of like revolutionized comedy in the seventies, right? And then like we start the eighties off with Caddyshack, and like. Harold Ramis had no idea what he was doing making a movie. Uh, Yeah, Sean kind of nailed it. They wanted to make these things about these caddies, but, like, they got Rodney Dangerfield and Bill Murray and and Chevy Chase, and all of a sudden they were like, this is way more interesting than the caddies. And they just started, you know, they just started shooting whatever they wanted to each day. And then when they went to go edit the thing, they were like, this is a mess. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Um, And that, I think that was part of the whole thing with the, the gopher, you know, they were like, well, what if there was something that sort of bridges one scene to the next? So some of the gopher stuff, they shot later to try to bridge scenes. Um, and they brought Bill Murray in for more stuff like Bill Murray. Uh, yeah, he was only like, he was only on set for like a week. He, he finished a movie. I guess it must have been in in Vegas because I think it was that where the the Buffalo Rome movie that Hunter S Thompson movie and then he and had Peter Boyle yeah yeah he had one week until SNL rehearsal started so they're like come down to Florida and and you know dick around on this caddy movie with us so yeah like pretty much all of Bill Murray stuff was improvised and then they were like oh he's amazing like shoot more Bill Murray or like now you need a, a scene with Bill Murray and Chevy Chase you know so some of that stuff was after the fact but um but yeah so Rodney Dangerfield this was his first movie and like he was like real self-conscious about it like he didn't know what he was doing he didn't know if he was doing a good job like he was so green that apparently like they would call action. He didn't even know that he was supposed to do something like they would have to go, Rodney, do your bit, you know, and then he would like <laughs> he would like do his thing. Right. So. um, So when this when Caddyshack ended, Rodney Dangerfield became sort of like the Hollywood it thing, you know, in his 50s. Right. Like he's in Easy Money with Joe Pesci. He's in uh, Back to School. Um uh, you know, there's there was other stuff in there that he starred in, right? So like, because Rodney Dangerfield was on top, the studio Paramount, I guess, right? Was like, is that what it is, Chris? Paramount? Yeah, uh, the first one was Paramount. Yeah, first one so was Paramount. They're like, right. we want to be in the Rodney Dangerfield business. We're gonna make Caddyshack too. So they announced that they were gonna make this movie. Harold Ramis was like, this is an awful idea. I want no part of it. Um. They were like, we're going to make the movie with or without you. Don't you want it to be with you? And he was like, okay. So he starts working on the script with Rodney Dangerfield. 
and um and you know they started making some headway right like that's why i mean that's why jackie mason is like is the the main like focus of this movie because it was supposed to be a rodney dangerfield movie like it was supposed to be starring rodney dangerfield and that's why he's so centric to the movie right and so um so uh uh you know rodney dangerfield's not liking what he's seeing um uh the other crazy thing is why the character that um what's his face you guys were just talking about him the the lawyer no the you guys were just talking about him at the beginning yeah randy quaid like I don't want to sh- throw any shade at Randy Quaid because he was by far the funniest fucking part of this movie. <laughs> like, he was like the thing I laughed the most at. But like that part was supposed to be played by Sam Kinison, who was in um, Back oh. to School with, with oh, Rodney that Dangerfield. That would have been very different. Yeah. That would have been very different. And you know what? It's funny. I th- so, so I feel like the one scene with Quaid where he gets up on the desk and he's yelling about Bird and the Dogs or whatever that I quoted at the beginning, I feel like Kinnison probably could have pulled that off better, and I felt like Quaid's didn't quite land today. But something I was going to say about that was I feel like that's a very specific type of humor that uh, doesn't age well because it is all about hitting the audience with something over the top, which maybe it's a cheap bit, but it's, look, effective is effective. If you make somebody laugh, you made them laugh, right? Whether it was cheap or not. So it it might be a cheap bit. The problem with the bit is that as time moves on, people keep going bigger and bigger. And like things like South Park followed by Family Guy. And before South Park, it was Beavis and Butthead. It's pushing that limit. And like you can see it in all kinds of things like, uh, uh, what's that uh, actor from Community? The Chang guy who was in... Uh, he was in um, the, hangover. Uh, the Hangover, right? Yeah, that character, like that's what he does, right? He just everything is way over the top, and it it can be funny. The problem is we keep pushing the line of over the top. So now watching that Randy Quaid explosion, although he he said burn your puppy alive or whatever, which is pretty over the top. Most of it felt it almost tame by today's standards but at the time i was thinking to myself at the time this might have been the most over the top bit there ever was so maybe he <laughs> nailed it but kinnison probably could have done that bit better but i did love randy quaid's work in the scene at the end where they're on the well it's not in the end it's in the middle with the mini golf course and the hockey scene uh-huh. when oh, yeah. he jumped out <laughs> the hockey scene was great yeah. he nailed that in a way i don't think kinnison could have so I I don't know maybe maybe better with Kinnison maybe worse I, I you know it definitely would have been shoutier with Kinnison yeah. but I, I think which is um, the whole bit exactly the office, that's the that whole was bit a in the bit, which is why Kinnison probably would have nailed that scene a little better Randy Quaid is definitely a, a, a and I haven't seen Kinnison in a a lot of things but I do think Randy Quaid's a better physical comedian or at least right. he was before he went off the deep end yeah but uh yeah he's he's definitely a nut job but uh oh i bet he's funnier now we just got to get get him back in front of a camera yeah <laughs> um yeah but so um so so i think the studio thought that you know they were going to pay uh uh uh, uh ron dangerfield a ton of money that he was going to be all in on this and Rodney Dangerfield had figured out his place in Hollywood. He was like, this isn't a good movie and I don't want to do it. And he bailed on it um, and, you know, took Sam Kinison with him. And Harold Ramis is like, you should not keep doing this. 
Um, and they're like, we're going to keep doing it. And Hal Ramis was like, all right, then you're, you're doing with this without me. And they're like, we're going to keep your name on the project. And he's like, you should take my name off the project. And they're like, well, if you take your name off the project, then the trades will hear about it and it'll sink the movie. And you don't want that kind of press. And he's like, okay. So like Harold Ramis after this movie was very clear to say, like, I didn't, this wasn't really my thing but they kept my name on it. Um, so, uh, yeah. And well, then that's they, good to know. Cause then they didn't seem up to his standards. Yeah. They went, and then they went after Jackie Mason. So like every, you know, everybody in this movie was like a cut and paste job, you know, like, uh, Jack, you know, they, they cut and pasted Jackie Mason in the Rodney Dangerfield role. Like it's literally the same kind of character, just not as good. Um, they cut and pasted Dan Aykroyd in the Bill Murray role, which I have a lot of thoughts on. Um, and and then Robert Stack um, for uh, the Ted Knight role, which um, which they I think get Ted Knight back. What he was too busy doing Empty Nest. I think that's the, <laughs> I, I think that's the only one where they sort of would have had to do this because I think he died between the two movies. Oh, did he? I think so. Oh, um, he died before eighty eight. Really. I think, uh, 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 like either way, I, if they had gotten everybody else back, I don't think, I don't think the the um, Robert Stack thing would have been a big deal because I, I actually kind of enjoyed Robert Stack, maybe because I just kept thinking about unsolved mysteries. Um, but like, I think it's pretty common that like in a new movie you have a new villain, so. Um, right. I don't think that would have sunk the movie, but I think the other things surely did. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, um, who are we talking che- about? Richard Chevy, Mulligan? Chevy got no, paid Robert a ton Stack. of money to, no, before uh, that, the empty nest person that died. Ted Knight. Oh, Ted, Ted Knight. Ted Knight. Okay. Ted Knight. Yeah. But, um, Chevy Chase got paid a ton of money for what was essentially a cameo. Like, you know, you so you were saying, uh, uh, Quaid was the best part of the movie when, when Chevy Chase was on screen, and again, I'm not saying that this is a movie of the same caliber as the first one, but I don't think that the first one is a fair uh, mark, a fair pole, a fair uh, thing to hold other movies up against. Because in my opinion, no other comedy can stand up against the first movie. So, sure, the second one's not nearly as good as the first one, but neither is almost any other comedy ever made, in my opinion. So that's not that's not a fair watermark, right? When Chevy Chase is on the screen, I think you're getting, I mean, A-plus Chevy Chase work. I feel like every scene he was in was like Chevy Chase at his best. The, there wasn't a lot of those scenes. He was a cameo. He had two or three quick scenes. But, man, leaving the piece of cold cut on the guy's shoulder just in the <laughs> middle of the conversation. For, for the next day and a half after it, I just kept cracking up thinking about him going, have you ever seen a 50... <laughs> Have you ever seen a crisp $50 bill? Just cracking me up. That's after he chases away the, the, the girls by being really offensive and the one is still there. Oh, man. Just just every scene. He looked at his, he looked at his wrist like three different times. It was a whole There was bit. no watch. There was no watch. <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was so good. I really feel like they brought him in and he brought his A game. And I feel like they brought Dan Aykroyd in and he did not bring his A game. They were like, be Bill Murray. And like, 
Dan Aykroyd is a very funny person, in my opinion, and he's in a lot of things where he is very funny. He's a great actor. And they, they had him do a silly voice. They were like, you have to be the Bill Murray character. We need a silly voice. So he did this silly voice that didn't really make a lot of sense. And like, I don't know. You could almost see his input on the, the, the character itself, where he was like an ex-CIA guy operating out of this food truck or whatever. But it just felt like... What they got right in the first one is that they just let Bill Murray improvise his scene. And what they got wrong in the second one is they tried to force good talent to be somebody else. They tried to force Jackie Mason to be Rodney Dangerfield. They tried to force Dan Aykroyd to be Bill Murray. Why? It, uh, look, I like Bill Murray, Bill Murray more than Dan Aykroyd, but Dan Aykroyd's just fine. Dan Aykroyd should just go up there and be Dan Aykroyd. It'll be funny. Uh, and the only time they got the movie right was when they let Chevy Chase be Chevy Chase, and I think that the, those scenes were great. They let Randy Quaid be Randy Quaid, uh, other than that one scene where, again, maybe he was trying to be Kinnison, and maybe that's why that scene didn't land for me. Um, I, think, yeah, I, I, I think that the, the Chevy Chase stuff really shines for you because Chevy Chase already came in with a pre-established character and he just kept doing what was working. You know, like it's the same kind of stuff that was killing in the first movie where he's this, you know, Zen, Zen playboy golfer guy that doesn't care about shit. And so like when he, you know, when he mixes up people's names and doesn't care and, you know, like does all that stuff, I think it's. I think it's continuing what was funny about the first one. You know, it's you're you're just getting more funny scenes a la the first movie, right? I think that with the sort of cut and paste job that they did for everybody else, you know, because like with with Jackie Mason's character, it's it's this like they clearly just changed the character's name. Like he's he's a condo developer, like like uh like Dangerfield was like like everything it it was so lazy everything was the same you know um but like he's Jackie Mason is not as uh charismatic and endearing as uh as Dangerfield is um and then you know like i i just think they were trying to go like all right well what equals what you know like all right Jackie Mason equals the same kind of comedian, same kind of like blue collar, you know, shtick comedian as Dangerfield. All right, like that's the substitute. All right, uh Aykroyd is the is equals Bill Murray, right? They're SNL buddies, they're in Ghostbusters, whatever. I almost feel like they doubled down on the whole Ghostbusters angle because I feel like they're like, let's replace Bill Murray with Dan Aykroyd. Doing a impression of uh, what's his face uh, from Little Shop of Horrors, Rick Moranis. Yeah, oh. I feel like I feel like it was it was Dan Aykroyd doing an impression of Rick Moranis <laughs> in, in a script where we're doing an impression of Harold Ramis's writing. Yeah, yeah, like like he 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 that character sounded like um. Like like Lewis Tully in Ghostbusters, where he's like, "Oh guys, uh, welcome to my party. I I only invite uh, clients and not friends, so I can do it as a tax write off." There's the dip over there, you know. Like I I feel like he was like, "Ah, oh, I'm Dan Aykroyd doing an impression of Rick Moranis channeling Harold Ramis because it's his former script 
to to get beat Murray. the replacement Bill Murray, and I, I sure like I, like I sure hope Ernie Hudson likes this because <laughs> that's my that's my Ghostbusters one man show. Thank you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It was good. It was good. The uh... I didn't piece that together, but as soon as you started doing the voice, I was like, oh my god, that is what's happening. That's right? exactly it sounded what just that like is. I, like it was bothering <laughs> the shit out of me. I'm like, what? I'm like, what voice is he doing? And I don't I don't think it says anywhere that he's doing that. But I was like. That he's that's a that's a Rick Moranis impression. Yeah, yeah. That I I wanted the Dan Aykroyd scenes to be hysterical. Like there was a lot of comedy um, uh, foundation all over it, and he's great. And like they just I don't know if it was rushed or they were just forcing him into a role that wasn't his or what the situation was, but they just didn't land the way you wanted them to. Um, yeah, he didn't. I didn't think Aykroyd was funny at all. It was a bad choice. I mean, I mean, Bill Murray is doing a voice like, like Bill Murray is doing like a bit. He's like doing a goof. Like, it's just a, it's a more natural thing. You know, like Dan Aykroyd is doing a voice like he's, you know, it's, it's very unnatural. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I, I feel like they told him he had to, I feel like they told him we need a silly voice. You need to fill this Bill Murray role. Uh, and that's, again, you, you had Dan Aykroyd, just have Dan Aykroyd be Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. I, I mean, the, this Caddyshack two, I felt like was more polished in terms of like, like, um, just, just sort of, production stuff right like like it it was a more technically proficient movie you know like the film stock looked better like the it it looked brighter the editing sort of looked better probably because it was storyboarded you know like like unlike the first one where they just showed up and was like you know snorted some coke and were like what are we doing today you know like like i think there was actual technically proficient filmmaking going on on the second movie it was but, also eight years later yeah but just bad bad you know bad writing and bad acting and you know casting choices um and uh yeah like just because something's technically proficient doesn't make it good and just and and just because something is a little scrappy doesn't make it bad is is I feel like what I'm getting out of these two movies. And if they had just worked with those the original team and got everybody back, how amazing would this movie have been? Like if it had been Dangerfield, you could even had you could even had uh uh Dan Aykroyd in this movie, but like how much better would it have been if like they went to Bill Murray first? And we're like, you have to, you you have to assassinate, uh, or, you know, whatever. You have to sink the the tournament. And then he was like, oh, I'm not going to do it. But here's my like war buddy. You know what I mean? Like, like even if Bill Murray had just made a cameo, like one scene, you would have been like, thank you, thanks, Bill. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'll bet you if they had kept Harold Ramis, he could have written something better for Ackroyd that more suited Ackroyd, uh, and allowed him to. Because uh, again, I, I think Dan Aykroyd is usually a very funny like, spies like us, Blues Brothers. Like he's hysterical. He's got comedy chops for days, uh, and I think he just didn't have the right writing for him. And now, while I agree with ninety nine percent of what you've you've said, right? Um, 
I will reiterate this. This was not a bad movie. 4% is not a fair score. Yeah, when we were looking up the, the, the ratings for this on last month's episode, and this is one of the worst rated movies on Rotten Tomatoes, we've watched worse movies on this very show. I watch like, worse movies on a daily basis. This, like, is, this was not this that was a, bad. Like you said, it's technically a proficient movie. It's got a story that makes, you know, a coherent sense in a chronological uh, format, right? So right there, it's better than, I don't know, 10% of the movies I've seen in my life that just are barely functional as what you could call a movie right so forget about that we're past that and then there are funny moments chevy chase is funny uh quaid is funny there are jokes that land does the whole movie carry strongly no uh is there all these problems that we pointed out sure robert stack getting a wedgie from den uh from randy quaid very funny it was very funny i laughed uh i didn't cry but i laughed uh this is not a 4% movie. This is not, it's not a reasonable score. People must be comparing it to the first one, which yeah. is unreasonable to I, do. I, I, re- I really got to believe that that 4% is because you, you have, you have the expectation because of the first one and you see it's, it's the disparity between these actors and these characters, you know, like Jackie Mason is just not Rodney Dangerfield. He's just not. You know, Aykroyd, while he's funny in some things, he is not what Bill Murray was. And I, I, I really got to believe that that's why it gets the low rating is because people are doing this one-to-one comparison with the first one. Right. That so, Jackie Mason love interest situation also did not buy that for a freaking instant. That was like really gross. And I got to assume the A storyline, at least when they sat down to write this, again, not unlike the first one, that the the primary storyline was supposed to be the Silverman and the girl, right? And that really got lost. Like, Yeah, that went nowhere. That went nowhere. And then they just kind of circled back at the end. And they were like, I don't know. She had an epiphany. She's going to be good now and, and be with Silverman. Like, that didn't... I, again, I assume when Harold Ramis sat down to start drafting this out, that's like, he was like, let me make that first movie I intended to make. And he kind of set that up. And then, and then the studios took over whoever finished the script or whatever. And that just got, again, pushed to the background and I don't know, just lost. Sean, you got any other Jonathan Silverman sequels up your sleeve? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think if we can get a Jonathan Silverman sequel, Combined with a Pauly Shore movie and have Wilford Brimley somewhere in there, that'll be our white whale. Like, <laughs> that's the movie we got to find. Are they all still alive? Let's just get them together. We'll, we'll pitch them a movie script. They're not doing anything. Wilford Brimley well, is dead. Oh. Uh, well, that's depressing and not funny at all. You really killed it, Paul. No one yeah. didn't know this. All right. There, he's in something called Benchwarmers 2. Does anybody remember Benchwarmers One? Was that is that a beloved comedy? Benchwarmers. It had uh, the Napoleon Dynamite guy in it, and like oh, maybe uh, David Spade? Yeah. Question mark. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're and right. Somebody else. I didn't know they made a sequel. Yeah, there was somebody else. Was it Chris Rock? <laughs> was it Jonathan Silverman? Well, Jonathan Silverman's in the sequel. Oh, that's. I think the, fr- this the first one might have been Spade and the Napoleon guy and Chris Rock. 
That's what I want to say for the first one. I could be very wrong. I think I saw the first one. I didn't know there was a sequel. The second one's got Chris Klein and John Lovitz. Now I gotta look up the first one. It is John Lovitz. I mean, oh, oh, hell yeah! It's Rob Schneider. It's Rob Schneider, it's Rob John Schneider. Heider, John Heater, and David Spade. Oh. <laughs> wow, that's a trio right yeah. there. Yeah, we we got twenty six months to go. I was about to, to say to we got to cycle through the whole goddamn alphabet again. This is unfair. <laughs> it's a shame. It's a shame to have to wait that long for something that was clearly so good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, you you guys were just talking about we were just talking about Jonathan Silverman and that and that plot that B plot C plot D plot whatever it was. Um, right with him and Jackie Mason's daughter, they were like matched together. Uh huh. Yeah. I, so one thing that like irked me a little bit was um how overt the whole uh. Uh, you know, the whole, like, like, rich people bad, you know, rich people bad, working class people good message was. Because, like, that's, like, baked into, you know, that's baked into the first one. Um, kind of, kind of the way uh, that, you know, it is with, with Animal House, that, like, you're rooting for the, you know, you're rooting for the slovenly, uh, uh, um, frat house to sort of triumph over the, you know, stuffy, uh, um, you know, preppy guys and the Dean. Right. And like Caddyshack's the same way. Like, you know, they sort of show that, that main caddy who, who, yeah, sort of, he becomes like a C or D plot character, but like how he's in that like big family with, all those siblings and it's like, nobody's got any money. And like, I feel like everybody in the caddy shack is like just a bunch of, you know, just a bunch of goobers that want to like hang out and muck around and that they like kind of draw, um, you know, they kind of ridicule the rich people and Rodney Dangerfield's whole character is based on that, that he, and, and even, um, Chevy chase to a certain extent, you know, like Chevy chase, um, is wealthy, but like, isn't, you know, he's he's not part of this whole scene, you know, and Rodney Dangerfield is like, I got no class, you know, so like they the the sort of juxtaposition of that stuff in that first movie kind of really hammers that home. But I felt like in this second movie, they just outright said it, you know, she's like, I want to be them. I want to be, you know, I want to be part of that. I'm ashamed of you, dad. Like there was no like subtext. She was just like, I do not like you. I want to be rich. <laughs> yeah and why were we supposed to like her i mean it's not a rom-com it was just a comedy so i guess they weren't really focused on that but in that deep plot like you've gotta want the like okay silverman's set up as the good guy but why should we the audience be rooting for her like she was kind of a bitch to her nice dad the whole time did we ever uh, even get back to her? Like, was her storyline ever even summed up? She came up at the end and she pushed down the, the bratty rich girl and, and said, I love you, daddy, and held hands with Jonathan, Jonathan Silverman. Oh, okay. And, uh, like, it was... To say that they gave us something that, like, made us real lot, like, I don't know. It was almost like 
you know where this plot's going. And then they just gave us the ending. They were like, yeah, come on, yeah, we, there, we was, set up the tropes in the beginning. wasn't earned at all. Like, right. I don't remember there being any catalyst for that. She just like, you know what? You guys are the bad guys. Like, yeah, they've kind of been obviously the bad guys the whole time. Whatever. Right, yeah. And so when she turned on them, we, the audience, just went along with it. It's because it's like, yeah, we, we've seen this storyline 27 times today, so we know it. But, uh, yeah, it was unearned. It was... It, and in all fairness to the comparing the second one to the original, which isn't fair, uh, that happened in the first one. I mean, that... that, that uh, the caddy plot really just kind of got phoned in like there was there was pieces missing as paul said it was just kind of scrapped together but again it was a deep plot who really cares that it didn't make you know yeah it didn't have all the hallmarks of good storytelling it was just kind of uh tagged along in the background there they really uh they really turned up the juice with the gopher though huh like uh yeah i didn't like that gopher (laughs) He, uh, I didn't think that thing was funny at all. He kind of sounded he, like Gizmo a little bit, and he could, like, chug root beer and... Uh, he talked. Yeah, I mean, there was times you could understand what he was saying. Wasn't he, like, eating spaghetti in one scene? <laughs> yeah, and then he was getting real sexual with the dog at the end. Yeah. Yeah, they they, they sunk some money to <laughs> gopher in the second one. Oh, here's a question for you, and I don't know if you know the answer here or not. The, uh... You said the first one was a box box office flop, right? It didn't do well, and the the guy was pretty upset um, initially, and then eventually, you know, VHS and video found its legs. Why was the studio trying so hard to recreate a flop? Just because they thought Rodney Dangerfield's popular now, that'll fix it. Well, again. Um... You know, this movie was eight years later. You know, like this 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 wasn't a sequel that came out two years after the movie. It was almost a decade later. Um, it was also after Rodney Dangerfield already had some movies under his belt and was like, you know, pretty a pretty hot commodity. Um, and they like they announced it and had a tagline for the movie before a word of it was even written. They were just like, we like, we, I don't think it was necessarily like we want to be in the Caddyshack business. It was, we want to be in the Rodney Dangerfield business and we have the movie that he started with. So that's what we're going to double down on. Hmm. Yeah. It was, wasn't a great plan. (laughs) Yeah, they they made a tagline. the The shack is back before they ever wrote a word of the script. <laughs> That's all they needed, yeah. except it wasn't you know at all. Yeah, I don't think the Caddyshack was even in this movie, right? I don't remember there being a shack of any kind. No, yeah, no, no. There was only two caddies. One of them only had one line, uh, and no name. So the Silverman character was the only caddy we had any real experience with. Hey, did either of you guys ever caddy? No. No, I know you did. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, just once. Uh, (laughs) Quit that job in a hot... (laughs) Well, so it's a shame that I don't remember this guy's name because it's kind of... I mean, it's kind of the linchpin to this story, right? But, like, yeah, I worked at that... um, 
you know, let's just Ma- call him John McCain. It was John McCain. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I've I've been calling him Steve Nicholson for years, but I have no idea if that's his name. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep calling him Steve Nicholson. Um, but uh, yeah. So um, so yeah, I I worked at that that Marriott uh golf resort. I I mean, I was not a caddy. I worked in housekeeping, but like every year when that golf tournament came along, they were looking for anybody who was a warm body. It was like. It was like, can you breathe? Yes. Can you carry some golf clubs? Cool. You're hired, you know? And, um, like there was a couple of years that I didn't do it. Cause I was like, this is not for me. But then like my cousins did it and they were like, you'll make a lot of money. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And like, it was exactly as awful as you would have thought it was like, you're carrying a bag on a hot day around a big sunny golf course. Like, you know, it was like, I, I didn't have a great time. Um, but like, I remember like they lined us all up and the people who were caddies, the people who did this stuff, they got like, they got paired off with like, you know, sort of like higher profile people first, you know? Cause like they do kind of like rely on the caddies a little bit. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Like the guy was like, you know, do you think I should use this one? And I was like, uh, sure. And he's like, that's a pitching wedge. And I was like, um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know, like, I, like I had no idea what this stuff meant. Right. Um, but like, you know, the people that, that caddied a lot, they paired them off with like high profile people and then everybody was left, you know, they're like, all right, you, you take this guy, you take this guy. So they sent me off with this dude and they're like, you have to remember your golfer's name. Um, because you will have to say your golfer's name at the clubhouse, um, you know, when you, when you check in to collect your, your money for the day, to collect your cash for that, you know, round of golf. Um, so we go out, we start the thing, you know, I get introduced to the guy, I shake his hand and then like, we're on the like second hole and I'm like, fuck, what was this guy's name? I've already forgotten <laughs> this guy's name. And then like, I'm standing there and I'm like, how am I going to collect my money if I don't know this guy's name? Like, I'm going to have to figure out how to ask him his name. And it didn't take long because every time the guy screwed up and he was not a good golfer, like, I don't know anything about golf, but I know that you're not supposed to hit it off into the trees. You are supposed <laughs> to hit it towards the hole. So he would hit the ball. It would go wildly off into the trees. And then he would go, oh, God damn it, Steve Nicholson, what are you doing? <laughs> and then I was like, that's his name. <laughs> And he did that at virtually every other hole. Like he would wildly bone it, and then he'd be like, "Ah, Steve Nicholson, you piece of crap." <laughs> I'm gonna start cursing my own name. Yeah. Ah, Sean Doyle, what are you doing? It's brilliant. amazing. It's brilliant. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I'm tapped. There really wasn't anything else I had to say about this movie. I thought the Marvels was really good, but uh, Caddyshack Two was just a just a movie that I saw. I yeah. didn't hate it. I I didn't hate it. It's it's not a it's not a, I wouldn't even say it's a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. It's just a movie. It's, it is adequate. It is an adequate movie. It's it, but, not it's not good, but it I'm not going to call it actively bad. It's fine. It's <laughs> it's coherent and it's got funny moments. Yeah. It 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 had some it had some it, it was a fascinating experiment between the two movies and uh yeah, I mean, I I definitely definitely was never bored by Caddyshack too. I definitely, um, yeah, I think there was some stuff that I actually liked about it. 
Um, maybe some things that I liked more than Caddyshack, just in the way that the movie was made. But, um, but yeah, like when you when you look at the one to one comparison, it does not hold a candle to the first one. Sure. Oh, and the music, just that in that first scene with Silverman running, I think it was the first scene. Maybe it was the second scene. He's like he he's got to run back and get the the girl a, a root beer from the the clubhouse. Mm. It uh. They played a song, and they were clearly trying to make it sound like a Kenny Loggins song, mm. and it just wasn't a Kenny Loggins song. And you're like, dude, just hire Kenny Loggins again, man. Come on. Yeah. And then here's the other thing about that. There was an obvious joke that they just didn't do. He runs back to the shack. Well, no, it's not the shack. He runs back to wherever, and he gets a root beer, a can of root beer out of a machine or something. And then you watch him run. They show you the run. And really, they're just vamping because they're showing the credits or whatever. That's fine. <clears throat> you got a credit sequence or whatever. You, they paid you, They paid for that song, and they're going to use the whole thing. Right, right. <laughs> and they show him running and do dodging golf balls and this and that. You watch him run for at least a minute with this can of soda in his hand, just trucking, deacon, left, right. He's headed back. I'm like, well, this thing's definitely going to explode when he opens it. Is it going to be that he hands it to her and it explodes on the rich girl? Or is he going to open it for her and he gets covered in it? You know, like, I, I, I saw the premise of the joke. I didn't know exactly how it was going to be executed. And then he hands her the soda and she just opens it and it's not a problem. And nothing sprays at all, which doesn't even make... I mean, that's not even in the world of physics. You can't run with a soda for a minute and a half and then just crack it open that's well he okay. tapped it a few times first it's not <laughs> that's science sean it's not, science. <laughs> it's not how any of this works <laughs> yeah i just seemed like missed humor in a movie that it was throwing a lot at the wall to see what's stuck and it's like you didn't see this one come on You're... you might have landed it it seemed like the most obvious thing and they just just cruised right past it so to our viewers, go ahead and watch it if you haven't seen it. It's not going to hurt you. Yeah. I mean, if you got something else to do, do the other thing, but... Go see The Marvels. It was a fun movie. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna. Can't talk about it. I haven't seen it. Excited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Caddyshack or The Marvels? The Marvels. I mean, I have a lot to say about it, but I'm not going to say it since John hasn't seen it. Right, yeah, yeah. I haven't Kevin seen it, and that, that would be a serious spoiler thing. Most of the movies we do on this podcast, people don't have to worry about spoilers. That movie's brand new. Yes. Yeah. That's not okay. Yeah. Glad I saw it. It's a good time. I hope more people go see it, because uh, all the news is just... Well, I mean, all the news on the internet was just waiting, frothing at the mouth, just waiting for that movie to come out and not be a huge success. They, they, they were... Is it not doing well? No, no, it didn't perform extraordinarily well. I mean, they couldn't really promote it much because of the strike, and, you know. Here's the other thing about this. Every now and then I hear about, like, a superhero movie not doing well. Again, I feel like maybe their benchmarks are too high. Like, if you look at the top ten grossing movies of all time, like, four of them are Marvel movies. If you look at the top 20, like, seven or eight of them are Marvel movies. Like... You can't reasonably expect to pump out, what are they on now, 30 movies, 40 movies? And when one comes out and just makes some money, but doesn't break records, right. like, to be like, oh, it didn't do well, what are you talking about? Like, 
my guess is, and I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but my guess is they didn't lose money on this. My guess is they turned a profit or will be turning a profit shortly. I would imagine so. It's it has the lowest opening of any Marvel movie. I'm like, okay, well, all right. You know, there are mitigating factors, and there is also a pretty considerable hate campaign toward uh, this character from certain sects of the internet. So it's uh, it was. See, it was, I don't even know what you're talking about because I'm not on the internet because I'm a luddite, and there are benefits to that lifestyle. There are indeed. Yeah, I have. Uh, you're I have winning. Been going out of my way to be. Uh, uh, off of uh, social media for the last uh, couple of weeks, and it's been working out well. I've uh, found other ways to get my news, and uh, that's been working out really well for me. RSS feeds are a great thing. That's, I don't that, even know that's, what the hell you just said, sir. That's cool that that's been working out for you. You should post about how, how good that's going for you. I should. <laughs> I'm going to jump on... Uh, <laughs> I like Every now and then I'll jump on Facebook for a little while just to watch cooking videos and stuff, because my Facebook feed is so thoroughly um uh what's the curated that it's just like five people i know and then just like a bunch of groups that are like hey i bought some rented uh, vintage video games look at these pictures like that's all facebook is i don't i don't get anything political on facebook ever uh but yeah i'm just completely off of twitter at this point and uh cuz i i stayed on it for so long because that's where i used to like get all of my new information about all the nerdy stuff that i'm into and now i just use RSS feeds and, you know, actual websites, and it seems to be working out pretty well, and I'm a lot less, uh, a lot less stressed about things. There's your PSA for the day. Basin wrench, Basin RSS wrench. feeds. Yep. <laughs> Basin wrench, RSS feeds. I replaced a, 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 a rear view window, window in my car that was shattered. It's a good week. Very productive. We're having a yard sale on Saturday. Gonna get my garage back. Stoked about that. And I watched Caddyshack too. Check it off the list. Yeah. It's another one that I've seen. I did not fall asleep during Caddyshack 2. I did fall asleep during 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> take, take away from that information what you will. I don't know that those two movies had the same goal. <laughs> <laughs> I beat Mario Wonder. Game was fantastic. Living the dream over here, except all this coughing. But anyways, uh, I guess we should probably wrap this up and pick our next movie. So uh, who wants to who wants to go first? Uh, yeah, I don't care. Do you want me to go? I I told Chris uh, I had a plan to force you to make a choice. Me? <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. do you mean? I, Chris had said to me, he had mentioned in passing, he was like, oh, maybe I should pick this movie. And I said, if you pick that, I'll pick this, and Paul have no choice but to pick this. Wow, interesting. <laughs> I forget which one I was supposed to pick, but uh, it doesn't matter. Well, that's why it's unfair that you guys do this together. Then I'm the lone weirdo over here that's... That you should go first, then we can't back you into a corner. All right. Well, I don't think anybody's going to be competing with my pick. Um, in fact, I didn't even know I was going to pick it until like earlier today. Um, I had I had something picked out for D. I like like I said, I've mapped out the whole alphabet and it must just be so that I can plan to do something until the day before and then go, you know what? I'm going to do this different thing. Um, so uh, 
yeah, I had something picked out, and then I when I when I'm scrolling through the streaming things, I keep seeing this movie that interests me. It looks interesting. I want to see it, and it starts with D. And I was like, maybe I'll watch that. And then I'm like, oh, D's the next letter. So um, I have no idea what this movie is. Could be great. Could be stupid. I have no idea. But I keep scrolling past it, and I want to see it. It's called Dave Made a Maze. So that's my pick. Dave Made a Maze. Dave made a maze. All right. I I should have, wait. I, I should look I up and say and see if I'm that. calling it the right thing. Dave. If it doesn't start with made. D, you got to pick a different movie. Nope. It's this is what it's called. It's called Dave made a maze. 2017 film. Looks Our like it's available adventure. on Tubi. Or not to be. Huh. Okay. New one for me. All right. Uh. Well. I guess I'll go next. And I'm going to go ahead and pick the one that I haven't been avoiding for 20 years. Because there's a really bad movie that starts with D that I've been avoiding watching for like 20 years, and I should probably see it. But, uh, you know, I guarantee it's worse than Caddyshack 2, and I don't think we need to watch another terrible movie. So I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, this movie just came out recently, and I heard it was way better than it had any right to be. So I'm going to recommend Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Mm, okay. Good I heard it was genuinely hilarious and mm-hmm. uh I'm into that. So I uh, so <clears throat> the first one, the first Dungeons and Dragons movie, we all got dressed up and went and saw it in the theater and it was terrible. I mean really just bad. So I assumed this new one would also be just bad. And had no interest in seeing it, but I have heard good things, so maybe it is good. So, not unenthused about trying that out. All right, Sean, what do you got? Well, now, so you said some things, and I said some <laughs> things. So, my plan was to go with the movie that I think Chris was just referring to. Uh, so I'm going to switch it wait. up. Wait, is this the movie that I decided not to do? You said, Chris, you said 20 years, and you said it's a bad movie. Uh-huh. Is, are you going to say Deep Blue Sea? No. 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 Oh, okay. That's what I was going to do. I've never seen that, though. No. Ah. Uh, so what he was referring to was Double Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I, I was thinking about going with, because he wanted to see... What was the other one you said? There was another D video game movie. You were pointing out Dynasty Warriors. Right. So there was another D video game movie that Chris had brought up. And I was like, if you suggest that, I'll suggest Dynasty Warriors. And then Paul won't have a choice but to just suggest Double Dragon. Um, <laughs> but it, Chris said he doesn't want to do a bad movie. So I'm not going to go with Double Dragon. And I'll go with a backup. A movie I've seen a hundred times, but it's been... At probably a decade. I have no idea if it holds up. I'm betting it does. I got, I don't know. Yeah, I got good vibes about it. I don't know if you've both seen it. If you've both seen it, it's probably a boring pick, and we shouldn't do it. If one of you hasn't, it's probably a good idea. Dark Man. Oh if you've yeah, both seen Dark Man. I haven't seen it in forever. Yeah. I haven't seen it forever. Dark Man's great. It's a solid pick. Honestly, like. If you would have forced me into watching Double Dragon, that, that I would have been okay with that. Uh, 
I have seen it. Chris hasn't, which seems messed up. Why hasn't he seen that movie? I, it, it's because I've just been avoiding it. It's bad. It, I know it's terrible. It's I've sure. seen pictures of what a Bobo looks like. Yeah, and it's there's, horrifying. There's endless things to talk about with the choices that were made in that movie. Um, it's I, it's yeah. bad on like that first Mario Brothers movie. Bad. Yeah. My, oh, I love my that favorite. I mean, since we're <laughs> since we're since we're not doing it, uh, my I gotta say my favorite line from the that uh, Double Dragon movie is when they. Uh, somebody's like messing with them and uh, because they're the Lee brothers they're like the Lee brothers Ugg and home and then they keep making that joke for the rest of the movie like you must be <laughs> ugly you must be homely the Lee brothers it's like it's absolutely hysterical yeah it's 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 that's a that thing's a trip and this is why I haven't seen it because every single time it comes up for me to see this movie, I always think of something, literally anything, to do that's more worth my time than seeing the Double Dragon movie. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. I would go to the movie rental store, I would pick it up and look at it, and then pick up literally anything else, and it would have been a better choice than watching Double Dragon, and I was always happy with my choice. All right, well, if Sean has to watch Birdemic, then you're going to need to watch Double Dragon, Chris. Like, you just have to. Like, I, we're not doing that movie, but you have to watch it. I will try my best. <laughs> I don't get a lot of time to actually watch movies alone, unless I do it 15 minutes a day. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what are our choices are... Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, yep. Dark Man, and Dave Made a Maze. Yeah, this is, a, this is some solid stuff here. Even the yeah. stuff we didn't choose was solid. I'm, I'm excited. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and vote. Let's open up the vote. Ready when you are. I'm at 1% battery on my phone, so this may or may <laughs> not work. Good thing you two are in the same room. Uh, mm -hmm. Red Leader, standing by. You ready, Sean? No. I would have said gold leader standing by. All right, gold leader standing by. <laughs> All right, and go. Oh! Oh! oh. We have a draw! We have a draw. Greg. Greg, save us. Wait, you're going to have to... Oh. Wait, yeah, wait, yeah, yeah. wait, 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 wait. He's going to be confused. Is he? Greg's a smart guy. I only put Dave. He's not listening <laughs> to us live. Oh, that's a good point. I'm I'm texting him. Here are the pictures. Oh, he's asking, do you mean the new Dungeons and Dragons movie? <laughs> God damn it, Greg. You can't wait a second? Okay. <laughs> Looks like we're doing that. Okay. All right. Dungeons and Dragons. Greg has saved the day. I've heard good things. I, I have too. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves uh, will be our next pick. And hopefully it is as enjoyable as everyone else. This is the newest says. movie we've done in a long time. I was Yeah, like I know we did Mortal Kombat like right when it first came out. That was like our second episode. That might have been our first episode. I think that was our first episode, yeah. I think I was sabotaged here because Sean wrote Dave and there's a movie called Dave about a president. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is. Starring like what? Like Kevin Klein or something? <laughs> Oh, geez, this was this yeah. year? For some reason, I thought this was last year. Yeah, this, uh, this was just this year. I might watch Dave Made a Maze anyway. It, it looked weird. Like, I, where did, I don't know. I might is watch... Is it like a low-budget, like, B-movie? I might movie? watch Double Dragon anyway. 
I, I might try to take a take a swing at Double Dragon. Just just for you. You want you can watch Everybody should watch all the D movies they can think of because who knows what we're gonna talk about next time. <laughs> at true. least at least Dungeons and Dragons. The new one. Not the old one. Although we might watch the old one too. I'm happy with this pick. Yeah, me too. Good time. I, again, I, I don't know if I am. I was I, I really didn't want to go see it. I, I had no faith, but the last one was that was Jesus, that was 2000. And that one's dead serious. This one is not dead serious. Didn't they make a bunch more Dungeons and Dragons movies that like were like right to Netflix or something? A bunch of sequels to that first one that was terrible? Did they? I think so. I could be wrong, but I, I think so. I think there's like a two, three, and four. Oh, wow. Yeah, look at this. We got um, 2005's Dungeons and Dragons Wrath of the Dragon God, and then the, the Book of Vile Darkness from 2012. I don't know if they're related to that one. I don't know either. I, I refuse to watch them. Yeah, that one's just called Dun- Dungeons and Dragons 3, so yeah, I think they were uh, supposedly follow-ups. Yeah. Look at that. Well, this is not that. So, good for us. Good for all of us. Alright, well there you go everybody. You have your homework. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. A theater near you is a part of the Geekade Podcast Network, and if you'd like to get in touch with us to share your comments, movie suggestions, or whatever, you can send us an email at mail at geekade.com. We can also be found on most social media outlets and the official Geekade Discord server, all of which can be found in our show notes. If you'd like early access to this podcast and several others on the Geekade Podcast Network, Check out the Geekade Patreon linked to in the show notes. It helps keep the show running and our site shiny and clean. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time in a theater near you. Goodbye, Candy Shack 2. You get no respect. Shack is back. You don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) 